Good evening. Welcome to Element City Church. We are thrilled to have you here in the room or joining us online tonight if you are watching from there or maybe even watching later in this week. So uh, again, we are glad to have you here. I met a couple of you who might be new, and so if that is you, we'd love to invite you uh, to download our free app. Just go to your app store, Element City Church. You can download that. A lot of uh, fun things on there. One, someone texted in this week and said, hey, do you have a playlist of the worship music? And we're like, yes, it's on the app. Uh, scroll down, you can find a playlist and you can listen to that throughout your week uh, and sing along with some of the songs that you hear uh, here, 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 here. Yeah, here, here. There you go. Um, so that uh, we'd love to join uh, you and invite you, if you are new, uh, to do two things. Download the app, and the second thing is to meet us at the 10-minute party, which happens in the back right at the end of service. Uh, it lasts less than 10 minutes, and you get the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon just for showing up. We'd love to hear your story a little bit. Uh, with that, and we always kind of have lots of things coming up, so again, you can find all that information in the app, like at the end of the month of May, which tomorrow, May 1st. We are here already uh, in May, and I think today was the first day over 100, wasn't it? It felt hot today, didn't it? Um, so we have arrived at that season and at that time. Let's pray that it re rescinds a little bit back into the 90s. Uh, but I think we're approaching that time of year. So welcome again to all of you and to those of you joining us online. Uh, tonight, the Church of the Week is... Us. Um, so... <clears throat> Every week, if you're new, uh, we pray for the Church of the Week. There's about 80 to about 100 churches around town that pray for one another, because uh, we say this all the time. There's a million plus people in southern Arizona that aren't connected in any faith community. So it's, it's going to take way more than one church to reach a million plus people. So it's going to take the church across our city. And so we love praying in for the Church of the Week, and it's us tonight. And so here's how I want to start our service tonight. I'm just going to invite you, if you're here in the house, to stand up. If you're at your house, you can stand up if you want. But I'm going to invite you, and we're actually going to hit pause here for 60 seconds. And I want to do a one-minute concert of prayer. And the one-minute concert of prayer is just an invitation for you to pray for your church and to enjoy and, and join in the process. Uh, maybe it's praying for our next generation, for our e-kids. Maybe it's praying for the community groups we have around here. We'd love to start new ones and more. Maybe it's praying for God to continue to grow a heart of a worshiper within each of us. Maybe it's finding ways to pray for God to bless our finances and just the future and what he has in store for us. Maybe it's our vision that we want to be this inviting community of Jesus followers who are just cultivating relationships with his love of Christ. Maybe it's that. Maybe there's something specific that means that's meaningful to you that you want to pray for on behalf of your church. Uh, one thing we've been trying to grow in is just our digital reach uh, of reaching people outside of this room and outside of Sundays. And so even this summer, uh, we've got a group of people that are going to be uh, doing once a week summer devotions that you can tune in on YouTube and follow along, just trying to help people grow as a disciple. And it's more than Lyle and I, and it's a group of people from here. And so maybe you want to pray into that continued growing digital reach uh, to reach people outside this room. So for 60 seconds, and I will set a timer. Are we ready? I would just invite you to pray on behalf of Elements and how God wants to move here. And then I'll close our time and we'll dive into worship and continue on our series in Romans. So here we go. One minute.
Father, we took a minute to hit pause and we pray for your church that is Element City Church. It's yours. God, you long for her to be everything you want her to be and nothing short of that. So these concert of prayers that have been lifted, you are a God who is active, who's attentive, who hears, responds. Father, may your will be done in this place and through this place and through these people, through my friends, through our community, to impact the community around us, to impact the city that we love. Would you continue to draw people here to experience the community, to, to grow in, in life-giving kind of ways, to follow after Jesus, whether that's next generation, the sound of kids' voices, we love that, God, because the church is for them. The church is for us. The church is for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So Father, would you have your way through Element City Church? Would you continue to bless her and expand her reach, her ability to impact and bless those in our city, to receive those that are invited? Would you continue to give us a heart to reach those around us, to cultivate relationships with the love of Christ? Father, to, to leverage the resources that you blessed us with to impact your kingdom movement and your city and the people that inhabit there. Father, as we worship you now, we invite um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit to mingle with our hearts as that God who is attentive and who is active. This next hour or so, we dedicate and just kind of open our hands, open our heart to receive and to hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said,
There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence we sing it together and holy spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord.
Church, let's pray. Lord, we invite your presence into this room. as we sing those words that your spirit is just inhabiting this place, God. Lord, I just pray that as we hear the message that you're stirring in our hearts, God, minister to us. Whatever we walked in, I just pray that we can lay before you right now. Be able to shrug off the week, God. we not get in the way of what you wanna do tonight. So I just pray for each one of our hearts to surrender to your will, that we can hear your truth, God, and be changed. Lord, we love you. We'll give everything to you. And it's in your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. love to worship with you and especially that song fits with where we are. We're in week two of Romans chapter eight, God is for you series. And so if you have uh, your phone, you can open up our app and go down to sermon notes and follow along with us. If you have your Bible, you can go to Romans chapter eight. If your Bible happens to be on your phone, you can choose either way. Um, We have things in there, but this um, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Um, my prayer for you this week is that you would grow in an awareness of God's spirit and presence with you. It's that simple and that profound and that significant. And may you grow in that. Uh, Romans chapter eight, Martin Luther, 500 years ago, just a few years ago, said this is the greatest chapter in all of the Bible. Now, I don't know what he thought the second greatest chapter is. I don't know. Um, I wasn't around 500 years ago. Um, But there's something significant about Romans chapter 8 is Paul really, last week we looked at this idea of it was kind of this courtroom scene, if you will. Uh, Anyone ever been in a courtroom before? If you've been there, you kind of picture it and get your mind around it, get the sense and feeling that for seven chapters he's kind of building this case that... uh, that we're guilty, <laughs> I mean, really, at, at the end of the day, that like my brokenness and my sin, like it kinda, it brings this cloud of condemnation over me. 
and over you. And, and before a perfect and holy God, there's, there's no way for us to like figure out a way around the system or, or to, to make things right, if you will. But yet, how he begins this chapter, how he ends this chapter, and everything in between uh, begins to proclaim something phenomenal for those who have put their faith in Jesus. Now, you may be here, and you're spiritually investigating things, and I think it's awesome that you're here. I really do. I know it takes courage coming to a new place. It takes courage seeking after spiritual things and, and maybe trying to wrestle with some of those deep questions. And so we long to be a place where people can wrestle with questions and begin to get a little bit closer in investigating who Jesus is. For many of us, we were kind of skeptical ourselves and we kept investigating and getting closer to Jesus and, and, and we really have bought that he really is who he says he is, the son of God whose life and death and resurrection has made a way for us to have a right relationship with the creator of all things, not based on effort or energy, but simply based on faith and trust in him. And, and, and maybe that is part of where you are on a journey. And I just invite you looking into Romans chapter eight, that maybe you would see behind the curtain, if you will, and say, man, there's some incredible truths here. Uh, many people have some of their favorite verses of the Bible found in Romans chapter eight. Last week, we looked at how this whole chapter starts. The very first verse, kind of calling back, therefore, remember, when you see the word therefore, you always have to ask, what's it there for? Uh, and so you go back to chapter seven, you see this tension that Paul has. Why do I do what I don't want to do? And how come I can't do what I want to do? And there's this tension, you know, how wretched am I? Who is going to rescue me? And Jesus comes to the rescue. And therefore, he can say in verse one, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, in life, we said we will face consequences for our decisions, our actions, our choices. But we no longer have to live under the condemnation of a perfect and holy God, thanks to Jesus. He's the one that bailed us out. Your past can humble you, but your past doesn't have to haunt you. And we have this freedom, this sense that this righteous, holy judge, Jesus, we know what his verdict should be, and yet his verdict is not guilty because of his life and what he brings. And so I want to pick up in Romans chapter 8 in the next few verses. We looked at kind of verses 1 through 4 last week, verses 5 through 14 this week, kind of get into this theme of something else we've been given. Not only have, have, is God for you because he's freed you, but God is for you because he now empowers it's the gift of the Spirit, the gift of God's presence in your life, empowering you to live the life that he's designed and called and created and invited you to live as you follow after Jesus. He's empowering you, and it's, it's trying to grow in our awareness of that. And I want to hearken back to this incredible exchange of what Paul talks about. Uh, anyone ever made an exchange before? I bet you have. Uh, think back with me to your elementary school days and the school lunches, right? Now you know my favorite team, Ghost Steelers, had a pretty good draft. Okay, anyway, um, but you'd show up at the school lunch, and if you took your lunch, like if you were one of the cool people and you could buy lunch every day, I got Mondays. And you know why Mondays? Because that was pizza day, and that was awesome, the square pizza. That rocked. And so like Mondays, I got to buy lunch. But the other days, I had to bring lunch, right? And you know what happens when you get to lunch? You open up your lunch, and you kind of look around the people that you're sitting with, and you're like, ah, I got baloney again. 
How many bologna sandwich people? Yeah, yeah. I had bologna, and I was like, I don't like bologna. Or you had the peanut butter and jelly, the standard peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and you're like, I really am craving, like, turkey today. And so you'd look across the table, and there'd be, like, your friend or your acquaintance, and they're like, man, they got a turkey. They got two turkey sandwiches. What? Okay, and so then you start the exchange. You start the trade. You try to figure out a way. Okay, if, if I throw in my Pringles... Plus my like, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, can we, can we exchange that I could have your second? It's a second turkey. You have one. Like, you don't need the second one. And so, like, can we make this exchange happen? And, and we try to make things happen. And we grow up, and we still try to do that. Uh, maybe it's a, a garage sale now. Uh, or maybe it's different things with people around you. But you try to make that exchange happen. And what Paul begins to say in Romans chapter 8, he puts on display that there is this cosmic, spiritual, supernatural exchange that's happening. And you had nothing to do with it. In fact, you didn't try to negotiate, you didn't try to swap anything, but the exchange is happening if you choose Jesus. Something is being orchestrated by creator God. Rather than completely on you, but he's doing it on your behalf, you'd be stuck with the wilted bologna sandwich of life if it weren't for him. But he's initiating an upgrade that is beyond your wildest imagination. This beautiful exchange of taking your sin and your brokenness and my death and your death and exchanging that for his grace and his empowerment and his life. Remember what Jesus said, John 10, 10? I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, I want you to have life. And so Paul begins to announce this great exchange. He starts right out in the gate, hey, there's no condemnation. Okay, there's consequence, but there's no condemnation anymore, thanks be to Jesus. And then he goes on and he introduces the Spirit. What's fascinating, 18 times in 39 verses, he mentions the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit himself, uh, when you see the capital S Spirit, you're going to see that 18 times in the whole chapter of Romans chapter 8. Like, Paul wants you to see that you are now living this empowered life. Not only are you freed, you now get to engage in this empowerment. Here's what he says, verse 5 and 6 and 9. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful thin, things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about those that please the Spirit. So let your sinful nature control your mind. That was going to lead you to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. This is the tug of war that he talks about in chapter 7. You are actually controlled or influenced by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and those of you who have put your faith in Jesus, you do. Like, it's part of the deal that comes. It's been gifted to you. You are now equipped with a new power source. To steal the phrase from the fast and furious, you have nitro now. You don't have just manual stick shift. You've been given a nitro button put into you, into your life. And it's not based on your energy and your effort. It's the spirit of God living in you. Anyone ever remember the Flintstones? Poor Fred. Remember Fred? He had to drive his car around with his feet. Could you imagine doing that in the summertime here? 
Like, we don't even walk our dogs during the day. Like, we have to walk early in the morning. But, like, poor Fred, he's taking his whole family on a trip, and they've got to, like, he's got to motor and move his car. Anyone ever stalled out before or come up on someone who has stalled out before with their vehicle? Anyone ever had to push someone's car for them? I remember a few different times of uh, one particular instance of coming up and there was a lady who had stalled out and I thought, I'm going to be the knight in shining armor. And so out I get in my khakis and my dress shoes and I go over and I kind of try to muster the mojo of the world's strongest men. You know, have you ever watched that show? Like, they think it's fun to throw VW bugs under the second floor of a garage. You know, they pull trees out by the root system. It's like, it's just amazing stuff. So I try to muster up all the energy I have to help this poor lady push her car to the side of the road to get out of traffic. And so I'm there, a couple other people go, we finally get it over there. Here's the two things you learn in that process. Anyone ever had to do that? The two things you learn real quick are two things. Ready? One, when you help someone like that, you sweat, especially when it's hot, right? Like, it's work. It's effort. And the second thing you learn is that cars weren't made to do that. I mean, think about it. If, how many of you drove here? Almost all of you, right? Could you imagine going shopping tomorrow for the groceries that you have to get for this week and you had to push your car to the grocery store? Could you imagine being the Flintstones? Like, and you had to pedal your car. No, this is why we drive. This is why we catch the bus. This is why we Uber. Because cars weren't made to be pushed. We learned that when we pushed them. They were made to be empowered by an engine that drives them that can move this hundreds and hundreds of pounds of metal to do something. Listen, you have been designed as a new creation in Christ to be empowered by something more than just your self-will. That's the gift of the Spirit. The gift is God's presence wants to not just be close to you, not just be around you, but to be within you, empowering you. Paul is pointing that out to us in this passage. See, for you and I to try to learn and, and try to earn God's love, approval, and try to restore a broken relationship by effort alone is a failed task. To live the spiritual life that Jesus invites us to and to try to do it all in our own energy and all in our own efforts, it's like Fred Flintstone driving a car. It, it, it will wear you out. It will be exhausting. And for many of you, you have spent a long time in your spiritual journey trying to do that, trying to do it on your own. And listen, there is a participation part in here, but the empowerment isn't up to you. The empowerment is the gift of the Spirit. 18 times, Paul's driving this home in this one particular chapter that you have now been empowered. In fact, here's what I want you to, to get out of tonight. If you only hear one thing, hear this. The empowered life is far greater than the exhausted life. Friend, as a follower of Jesus, you have been gifted the Spirit to empower you. See, a religious pursuit of self-will, of perfection, is exhausting and will be unending in failure. But the grace of God and beginning to live by the Spirit's empowerment is a life-giving kind of existence that we're invited to live. 
Not only have we been freed from condemnation from Jesus, but we've been gifted, been gifted the Spirit to help us live this life. The empowered life is God's Spirit now living within us, influencing us, helping us become more and more what we were intended and rescued and created to be and become. The Holy Spirit sometimes is kind of a misaligned or maybe even an underappreciated reality within the church. And I don't have time to unpack a whole sermon on the Holy Spirit, uh, but I want to kind of help us understand this. It goes all the way back, really, to an understanding of the triune nature of God. So can I attempt to explain the triune nature of God in 60 seconds? (laughs) Good luck. Um, The reality is it goes all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and the great Shema that the Israel people would have heard that hero Israel, the Lord your God, is one. They were coming out of Egypt, a, a land of multiple, multiple deities. And God is instructing Moses to say, no, no, our God is one. Not multiple, not several, not one for the sun God, one for the agriculture, one for beauty, and one, like, no, no, no. Our God is one. Uh, but he's unique. In fact, he's one, but he's like three in one. Huh? Yeah. So like he's one, but he's like three in one. And you'll see this all throughout the scriptures. In fact, multiple times you'll see in the gospel accounts, you'll see it in the epistle letters, you'll see about God the Father, and you'll read about God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And you'll see it in one sentence, or one phrase, or one paragraph. All three presents there. It's one God. There's oneness to him. But there's uniqueness about who he is. And some people have used the silly illustration of, you know, H2O. Water, okay, H2O, there's steam, uh, there's the heat from that, there's the reality of water itself, it's these expressions of liquid and steam and ice, but it's all H2O, and okay, if that helps you get your mind around it, uh, but it's, it's bigger than that, and, and I don't have time to fully unpack it, but we begin to see it in scripture, Titus chapter 3, but when the kindness and love of God... Our Savior appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Three in one. It's at the baptism of Jesus you see this. Here's the Son being baptized, the voice of the Father coming from the cloud, and the the Spirit descending as the dove. You'll see this all throughout the Bible when you look for it. The story of God in the scripture is God pursuing a relationship with a broken and marred humanity, a separated humanity, but he longs to get closer. So how does it begin? Abraham, I'm calling you to be my people. I want to be with you. I want to be around you. Moses, I want you to lead my people. I want to establish the nation of Israel. And then he gets even closer in the incarnation of Jesus himself. I'm now among you. I'm not just around you, I'm now among you. And then Jesus says at the end of his ministry, hey, it's for your good that I go away because I will send the advocate, I will send the spirit, I'll ask the Father to send the spirit and he'll actually be in you and with you. The Holy Spirit is God's power and presence within us as believers in Jesus. God gifts gifts us himself. And this side of the heaven, it's the closest and most intimate connection we will have with him. 
You can look back in a couple chapters in John 14, John 16. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. Here's just a couple verses. First, uh, chapter 14, verse 16, 17. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Now, who's talking? Jesus. I will ask the Father. He's going to give you the Spirit. Triune nature of God. Here we are. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be what? in you. He will be in you. See, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, it's good for me to go away. The disciples didn't think it was good. Jesus, we want to be around you. He's saying, no, no, no. You need someone closer. The whole point of humanity, we, like you're broken to the point. I was trying to get around you. Now I'm among you, and I want to get within you. I want to be in you. That wherever you go, see, I'm limited as the Son. One place, one time, but I don't have to be limited. When the Spirit comes, all of time, in every country, in every believer, at all times, he's there. That's why you see the Holy Spirit described as one who reminds us what Jesus said, who counsels us, who comforts us, who encourages us, and who guides us, who convicts us to keep us close to God. Not to push us arm's length away, but to draw us close back toward God. And he is the one who empowers us. The Holy Spirit is empowering. It's God's grace and his strength entwined into us. Francis Chan wrote a, a great little book I recommend called The Forgotten God. All about the, the ministry, the role of the Holy Spirit. If, if you're interested in that, I highly recommend it. He said this, empowering his children with the strength of the Holy Spirit is something the Father wants to do. It's not something you have to talk him into. He longs for us to be empowered. Well, what does that begin to look like? How do you begin to understand? How do you begin to attune yourself a little bit more to that and to understand that? Uh, can I just take a simple verse that sometimes we miss the significance of it? Ephesians chapter five, this is the Apostle Paul writing again to the church in Ephesus. He says, just a great little simple snapshot in the New Testament, here's the role of the Holy Spirit, here's, here's the calling, here's how you are to in, embrace and in, in, in kind of engage with the Holy Spirit. He says this, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of us have a little more experience of what it means to be controlled by the spirits, if you know what I mean. People ask, can you drink? Well, I see Jesus' first miracle. Turned water into wine. That's pretty good. I don't see anything in the scripture that says you can't. Here's what I do see. Don't get drunk. Don't lose control of yourself. Don't give yourself over to something different than what we're supposed to be, which is filled with the Spirit, controlled, influenced, by the Spirit, the one who has sealed you and marked you as a follower of Jesus. Don't be controlled by anything else than what God has gifted you in his Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is this Greek word, plethrustha. It's a fun word to say. Here's what it means. It means to be filled, controlled, intoxicated, permeated, thoroughly influenced by. Again, some of you have experience with what that may feel like in another way. 
But if you want to understand the word, you have to see it in other contexts. In the New Testament, can I just flash back to Luke chapter 4, verse 28? Jesus stands up, reads from the prophet Isaiah, says, today these words have been fulfilled in your hearing. And all the people are like, that's a really good sermon, Jesus. That's awesome. And then Jesus says, you know, a prophet isn't welcome in his hometown. And then something happens to the crowd. And you can read the end of Luke chapter 4. They go from clapping for Jesus to literally a mob mentality, pushing Jesus to the edge of the town, wanting to throw him over the cliff, but Jedi Jesus just says, not today, and walks through the crowd. What happened to a crowd that was applauding one minute and then wanting to throw him over the edge of the cliff the next? Parithia. It's they were filled, they were overcome by a greater power that something got stirred within them, compelled them to something greater. It's the same word. They were motivated, they were moved, they were highly influenced by. And that's what Paul's saying is you are now empowered, you're meant to be influenced by, permeated with the gift of the spirit that God is giving you. It's kind of like, well, I didn't bring food, but... I brought a glove, okay? Maybe you've heard this illustration before. This is a glove. What can a glove do? Go! Do something! A glove can do nothing, right? But if I put the glove on, then I can lift food boxes when we do a food distribution. I can pull weeds, which ain't nobody like doing. I can do things, I can do yard work, I can utilize the glove. Here's what Corey Ten Boom says. The glove cannot do anything by itself, but when my hand is in it, it can do many things. We are like gloves. It is the Holy Spirit in us who is the hand and who does the job. We have to make room for the hand so that every finger is filled. We have been empowered. Now, we can turn off that or ignore it or not listen to it, not stay attuned to it, but the Holy Spirit is meant to permeate you, much like a hand in a glove. It's meant to, to help you live this life. You can't really see this in the English language, but the command to be filled by the Spirit is a plural command. It's not singular, meaning it's not for the spiritually elite it's not just for pastors, it's not just for small group leaders, and it's not just for seminary professors, it's for you as a follower of Jesus. You've been gifted the Spirit. You can only be the person God created you to be by living in attunement and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it on your own. You're not Fred Flintstone, okay? You need the empowerment. To be filled is this present tense reality. To be filled continually, renewably. When we trust in Jesus and we're baptized, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit once we say yes to Jesus. We're sealed by him, the Bible says. He's a deposit guaranteeing our salvation, Ephesians 1.14. But we are to be filled, meaning continually, present tense, ongoing, all the time. How many of you drive a car? How many of you put gas in your car? How many of you have a car that's electric and you have to plug it in? You have to do that all the time, right? In fact, every time you put gas in your car right now, you're like, why do I have to do this so much? Because it's so expensive. 
but you have to continually do it. Present tense reality. You have to be filled. You are gifted, but you're invited to continually be empowered, to be filled by the Spirit. So just the remaining time to look at a couple things from Romans chapter 8 of what Paul is saying the role of the Spirit to empower you looks like. He empowers you to think differently. Here's what he says, verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind will lead to death, he says. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. How many of you want more life and peace? Are you attuning yourself to the Spirit, letting your thought life be influenced? Is your thought life different today than it was two years ago? Than it was even two months ago? Are you learning to attune yourself? Listen, that doesn't mean you don't have imperfect thoughts. Everybody's got time for that. And so, like, it's not that you never have negative thoughts, you never have lustful thoughts, you never have any of those other thoughts. We all struggle with that. But it is this idea, am I making progress? Am I opening myself up? Am I, is my prayer that, God, would you increase the thoughts of the Spirit in my life? Would you decrease the thoughts of the world around me? And the question maybe simply is, how's your thought life? If you're consumed by the things that the world is consumed by, the people of the world are consumed by, then, friend, I would simply ask you, then are you really tapping into the empowerment of the Spirit? Or are you just Fred Flintstone in it, trying to do it all on your own, and trying to live this life that what Paul's saying is it's impossible to live this spiritual life without the empowerment of the Spirit? Are you less and less captivated by the things and the ways of this world, and we can enjoy the things of this world, but if they're dominating your thought life or dominating your pursuits, then friend, maybe that's a fair question to ask. God, am I increasing in my awareness of the spirit, increasing in my thought life to think more about how you see the world and how, how you would approach the situation at work and how you would approach this situation with my family and how you would approach this conversation with someone? And that You begin to think that way. God, what would you say? Not just, I don't wanna go at it and just here's what I think. But what would you say? What would you whisper? Our minds need to be transformed, Paul says elsewhere. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. Your mind matters. You are not dumb. You've been gifted an incredible tool called your mind. But the Spirit is to empower that as well and to influence your thought life. He wants to retrain us to think truthfully, to think critically. Listen, I'm going to riff. I think Christians need to think more critically. I think we have way too many Christians that are just sheep. I think Christians need to think critically, intentionally, the way Jesus does. And so when we do that, we don't just go with whims. We don't just go with emotions. We actually use the tool we've been given. We don't have to be controlled by our emotions. We are allowed and invited to live truthfully, critically, spiritually into our conversations and in how do we approach life. Why? Because it's the truth that sets us free. 
We need to focus on truth. Second, we're empowered with godly confidence. Here's what Paul says, verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Meaning, if you're a person of faith and saying yes to Jesus, then hey, heads up, you have the Spirit in you. You don't have to be controlled by the whims of your sinful nature. Listen, you will battle it. That's Romans chapter 7. You will do battle with this. The world and the enemy does want to pull you and detour you away from God and from his truth and from his best. Flat out, that's the reality. But you don't have to be controlled by that. You have a confidence. Why? Because God is with you. Why? Because he is in you. There isn't a moment you face where you face that moment alone. There isn't a situation that you face that you face that situation alone. God is with you. He is for you. You can stand in a godly confidence that it's not up to you alone to face the scenarios and situations and challenges that come your way. He is with you. He is around you. And friend, he is in you as a follower of Jesus. And thirdly, we're empowered with God's strength no matter what you're facing. Chapter 8, verse 11 and 14, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. That takes some serious power. That power lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Our children of God. He's our heavenly daddy who's empowering you his presence is with you. One of the things I love when my kids were little is they would try to challenge, they would take on a challenge, right? And in their mind, they're doing it all on their own. But you know what I love to do? Be right behind them. Do you know how confident they were when dad was right there with them? Why? Because they knew it wasn't up to them to lift that ball or, or to accomplish that thing. Dad would help in that. We have been given the Spirit's power, God's presence within you to say, you have a strength that goes beyond you. The empowered life is far greater than the exhausted life. So trade in for that. Stop trying to live the exhausted life. It will ultimately lead to failure over and over. We are to be empowered, which means we have to stay continually connected, adapted, I have an amazing oak tree in my front yard. I love that tree. In fact, I hammock under that tree right now. Well, I mean, it's 100 now, so maybe I'll stop. But, like, I love that tree. A couple times a year, I dread that tree. Because you know what happens? Thousands of leaves fall from that tree as it sheds and then begins to have new growth in it. Until a couple years ago, and I got something that makes it so much better. See, I was trying to rake those leaves. Oh, friends, let me let you in on something. I got a battery-powered blower. And this is awesome! Because, like, I can go out 
in like 30 minutes, blow all these thousands of leaves into the street. And then I got to sweep it up and it fills up an entire trash can, like a big one, okay, twice a year. But this is so much better. Now, the problem is the battery runs out and I have to charge it sometimes. If I take the battery off, it's just a paperweight at that point. It's a cool looking toy, but without the power source, it can't do squat. But with a power source, Barbara, I'm gonna blow your hair. Okay, Barbara looking like a model. With the power source, it can function and do so much more. The same is true for you, and the same is true for me. As a believer in Jesus, we've been not only freed, why? Because God's for you, but you have been empowered, gifted the spirit, God's presence, his power, his strength, his wisdom, his guidance, his word, his truth, are you living on that? How's your thought life? How's your strength? How's your confidence? Is it all on you? Then friend, maybe you need to remember that you have a power source and the spirit. And maybe part of the invitation tonight is simply to go on a journey to figure out, God, would you help increase my awareness of this gift that you've given me in the spirit of God? I will say, as a good Baptist boy growing up, this was foreign to me. I knew about God's truth, I knew about the word, but the gift of the Holy Spirit was maybe trying to understand that a little bit more. Francis Chan's book is a great book. Uh, the scripture's filled with the truth of the Spirit. I think part of it's just realizing what you've been gifted and just trying to learn and lean into it a little bit more. I still choose to detach from the power. I still struggle with that. I'm not alone. I bet you do too. But the invitation from Paul in Romans chapter 8 is hey, no, no, there's no more condemnation. You're freed not guilty. Hey, you don't have to be Fred Flintstone in it in life. You've been empowered to live by God's spirit. Stay connected to him. Learn and lean into what that means. Grow in that more this year than you did last year. Lean into that. And so as our team comes to lead us in a closing song, and we'll have a couple announcements, but maybe that's the invitation of a moment I just want to create for you. A simple prayer moment. God, would you, maybe for some of you, it's, okay, I understand I've been gifted this, but I don't understand the gift. And I don't understand this, the fact, okay, I get it, I've been given the Holy Spirit, he seals me, and like, it's a deposit guaranteeing my salvation. I get my mind around that. But to actually live in attunement with a power of God at my fingertips and available to me to help me think better, to think more, to, to pursue him, to know him in greater intimacy, to, to know what he would think about and how he would handle a situation. 
Maybe that's the prayer in the next 30 seconds, is God, would you help increase my awareness to the goodness of the Holy Spirit? So Father, uh, we just hit pause for literally 30 seconds. Holy Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we want to be a people that understand the dynamic of the triune God. One, whole, yet distinct. So Holy Spirit, I pray for my friends. Would you grow their awareness of you? When temptation lures us away, would you quicken our pulse to return? When the ways of the world want to pull us to think selfishly, would you stir our heart and mind to think like Jesus? When the strength wanes in the challenges that we face, would you empower us anew to know that we don't face it alone? You are with us, you are around us, you are active, and you are in us. So take a moment, just pray for yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to get to know him better. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the gift of what you said. It's, it's for our good that you return to heaven. Where you intercede on our behalf, you pray for us even now. I think you're praying for the spirit to awaken us, to quicken our pulse, to stir our minds, our hearts, to see you and be empowered by you. May we be a people empowered not, of, not out of self-will, but empowered by the Spirit to live more and more like Jesus would in our shoes. Every breath we could ever breathe would 
God is so good <laughs> for us to be able to put our full trust in him. He's so good because he's empowered you, friend, to live the life that he's calling you and inviting you to live as you follow after Jesus. It's all about him. The spirit will always point to him. Father always talks about him. It's always about Jesus. And the invitation to follow after isn't up to just your self-will and the power you muster up. You're invited to live empowered, freed, and we'll continue on in Romans 8 next week. So th thrilled to have you here. Tune in online. Just a couple quick things before we head out. Um, <clears throat> Gabe and Ryan, and I think Lyle, Pastor Lyle might be out back, but would you guys be available uh, to pray with folks down here? I didn't ask you that, but there are a couple of our elders. If you need prayer tonight, uh, we'd love to pray for you. If you're new, we'd love to invite you to our 10-minute party in the back, which starts in about 40 seconds. I'll be there. I'd love to, to meet you. Last call for marriage retreat. Uh, we're trying to sign up in the next couple of weeks. It's August 11 through 13. If you're interested in going, but you're like, I don't know if I can afford that, we have a couple of scholarships available. You just got to get signed up, pay the deposit, and we'll take care of the rest. Uh, but talk to me about that. And then in a month from now, tomorrow's May already, in a month from now, we are having our church, old school church potluck, is, is go time, okay? So, like, be thinking about what you'd like to bring for that. Um, and there's a sign-up list already in the app underneath the event. You can sign up for a side. You can sign up for a main dish. We'll provide all the drinks, utensils, all that stuff. And then we have this dessert auction thing, which last year was crazy um, and fun. So... A few of you, if you know how to make like an incredible dessert that you think people would big, you know, big money for, all of the money that we're raising that night goes to help. We've got five students going to camp this year and a couple staff, and so it's it's trying to pay uh, a big portion of their cost for that. We've got to rent a van to get the luggage there. We're going to pay for that. We'll pay for maybe taking them out to ice cream over there and some fun stuff. So all the money is going to camp. Uh, we'd love to invite you to be a part of that um, in a month. Tonight we go to dinner every week. Uh, cereal Grillers on the Speedway is where we're heading tonight. In about 25 minutes, people will be there, a group of folks. And uh, yeah, may you go in the Lord's peace. May his spirit empower you to follow one step at a time after the Savior who came for you, who rescues you, who loves you, and has gifted you the empowerment to follow after him one step at a time. Go in peace, friends. If you need prayer, come down front, meet you at the 10-minute party. Yeah.